is an honor to be here. I, it feels a little more significant than I was first thinking. Um, this is holy ground. Uh, we've, I know you've been talking about place. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sitting in that second row. And it was in that second row where I stood with Terry Minard and uh, Reverend Poppin stood up here and asked us, do you believe in Jesus? And we both said, yes, truly, with all my heart. Um, this is, uh, this is, yeah, it's holy ground. Um, I preached my first sermon uh, right here. Uh, it was during Youth Sunday. And you, my friends, and I put together each about a minute and a half, so it was really good. And, <laughs> was, and we punctuated it with the, the song by the Doobie Brothers, Jesus is Just All Right with Me. That <laughs> happened right here. And I, I mean, I got married right here. Um, my father's funeral was right here. Um, this, is, this is holy ground. And so I, I, yeah, I'm just honored to be here. Um, the text is from Psalm 42, and I'll read verses 6 to 9. Uh, God says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I've taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, and from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That's my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. The church, the ecclesia, is when people put their trust in God, and then God calls them to be a light to the nations. It's always been that way. That's how it works. And so it's true that Platte Park Church is a gathering of people who believe in God. And then God calls all y'all to be a light to the nations, to shine the light of Christ on the world and to inform people uh, how to perceive, how to do this thing called life. And it's always been that way. And normally, when a, another church is, is called by God to be a light to the nations, uh, almost always that new church looks at the old church and says, well, they did it wrong, so now we're going to do it correctly. And I don't know why this is different. Maybe it's because the angel of the Platte Park Church, you know, you'll have one, um, have, it says so in the book of Revelation that every church has an angel. Maybe the angel told you um, you're building on what took place before you. Uh, maybe it was somebody discovered that the angel of old first reformed is still here. You know Connie Wyatt talks to that angel. And 
maybe, maybe it's just because your pastors are awesome. And they are. But somehow, Platte Park Church has decided, rather than to reject what took place before, we're going to celebrate it. And we're going to acknowledge it. And in fact, we're going to graft ourselves onto it. And on behalf of everyone from, and that's a huge, huge um, statement, on behalf of everyone, whoever was part of First Reformed Church, thank you. Um, because First Reformed Church wasn't perfect, but it was a good church. It was a group of people who put their faith in Jesus. Not in their own ability. They had plenty of ability, but they didn't put their faith in that. They didn't put their faith in their, their past accomplishments. They accomplished a lot, but they didn't put their faith in that. They didn't put their, their faith in their own righteousness, that they were really good people and we're, we're no, we know that we can do this because we're really good people. They didn't put their faith in that. And they certainly didn't put their faith in politics. They put their faith in Jesus. They lived by prayer. They acknowledged that Jesus was the only hope of the world that Jesus was the only one worthy of worship. And when a group of people does that, and you all know how that works, when a group of people does that, God does something to them. And God transforms them. And they start to love each other. And that's what happened in First Reformed Church. That's what's happening now in Platte Park Church. You are being transformed to care for one another. And that was true. I, I, I just have never found anyone who told me, yeah, I was neglected at First Reformed. I was rejected at First Reformed. Nobody noticed me. That just didn't happen. All of us were loved and in abundance. And what a, what, what a treasure. It was gold. It was just pure gold for all of us. I, I think about my friends that are in the same youth group or in the same circles or played on the same softball team. And I remember how, how, how warm my heart is when I think of them and I rejoice that I knew them, and and it's, you know, I have many I haven't seen in a long time, but that's not because I want to. It's because we just don't. And I, and I know that there was so much caring and love. And then I think about their parents, your friend's parents. And I go, wow, I have such warm affection for them. Because I know for a fact that they cared about me too. Now that's a, that's a really abundant amount of love. But that's what happens in the ecclesia when a group of people 
put their faith in God and only God. No idols, none of that other stuff, just God. And then God transforms that ecclesia to do something else. They not only care about each other, but they start to help each other. They are a light to each other. They, they encourage, they pull them out of the doldrums, pull them out of the places where we're trapped. They, they encourage and build them up and, and bless them. And that was in abundance at Old First Reform too, and I know it's the same here. Just like Isaiah says, the former things have come to pass. And yes, it's in a new way. And I tell you of all the new ways that it's happening, but those former things, they're, they're, they're happening again. And it's wonderful. Because with the Holy Spirit, it's, it's new every morning. In that, that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see, but it's the same mercies that we saw in the past. And just one little way in which it was emphasized to me uh, when I got out of seminary, my first church was in the state of Washington, in Yakima, and within a couple of years, we were tearing down this old building that was there, and we were building a new church, and People from Old First Reform sent money. Not only that, people from Old First Reform got their campers and they came out and volunteered and worked on the building. And I'm, I'm remembering that was just a matter of course for Old First Reform. That's how they did things. That's just the way it was. And that's because they put their faith in Jesus and then God transformed them. And I believe that that began early on because I believe that not only is this building sacred, there's something about South Denver that is also important in the light to the nations. As a place, South Denver is significant. Um, you will recall that in the 30s, there was this thing called the dust storm, and it was the largest natural disaster in American history. And People came out of the dust storm with nothing. And many of them came to Denver. Some came to Denver as the promised land, which it is. But others came to Denver as a last resort because they couldn't get any farther. And it was the depression. So things couldn't have been worse. It was a horrible time. And they came to Denver. 
And if you think about it, think about South Denver and think about all of the businesses that were up and down Pearl and up and down Broadway. I mean, there was a huge coal plant just off of Logan, south of Evans. There was a mattress factory. There was a, a Red Seal potato chip factory. There was a Samsonite. There was Gates. Ford Motor Company had a plant. And then all the little shops, the little mechanic shops and the places of, of business everywhere. And this church, the people of Old First Reformed, early on were connected to that business. And how do you get things going again after a dust storm or the depression? You put people back to work because that's what's helpful. And nobody knew how to do that better than people of faith who had put their faith in Jesus. And I think it's just a, maybe an aside, maybe a learning um, that, that, that we didn't put back then, they didn't put their trust in politicians. And one example was the, the guy who built the mansion at Platte Park, James Fleming. I mean, he was brilliant. He was uh, into oil and gas, and he had some patent that was extraordinary, so he received a royalty from Standard Oil for his lifetime. He was, you know, a big shot. But he was also just a major jerk. Worthless, absolutely worthless in, be, in providing any help for anyone. And he was the first mayor of South Denver. So that's when the people realize, well, let's not rely on politicians. Let's put our faith in Jesus and in, in what Jesus does to us and causes us to be helpful to one another. And that's how you make a difference in the world. That's where you see the, the real energy in making the world a better place. There's another about South Denver, everyone should know this. You're, you're sitting in South Denver, and I learned this this year from Bob Kendrick. Bob Kendrick is probably the foremost historian about baseball in America. And Bob Kendrick said, and I heard him say it, that without the Denver Post Tournament, there would have been no pathway for Jackie Robinson to break the color barrier in Major League Baseball. And I said, say what? What's the Denver Post Tournament? Well, it turns out that the, there was a tournament in Denver played every year after the World Series. And it was played at Merchants Park. And Merchants Park, as you know, was the professional baseball stadium in Denver, and it was located where Montgomery Wards used to be, right? Alameda and Broadway, just, just a little ways from there. That's holy ground. The reason that it's holy ground 
is because in 1932, the Denver Post Tournament, and I mean, it was big, uh, all of the best players, even if they played in the World Series, they came to Denver for a, another one. Uh, Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, all the big names, they all came to Denver. Well, in 1932, I can't figure out why, Holy Spirit did it, they dropped the color barrier and the gender barrier. They figured out that some women could play too, and they let everybody play. And that year, Satchel Paige won. His team uh, was victorious and won the championship. He became famous, and from that moment on, Everyone who played baseball in the United States knew that it was only a matter of time before we dropped this color barrier because it is the most foolish thing ever. And it happened because of the Denver Post Tournament. So, yeah, you can go to Safeway, stand there in the parking lot, and go, yeah, Satchel Paige stood here. Josh Gibson stood here. Uh, praise God. Um. But that's place, ecclesia in place. Just like Isaiah said, even in the toughest times, people who believe in God will be transformed to help one another. And it's a good thing. Now, first reformed was not perfect. Um, if you look in this picture, it was in 1971. And if you think about the year 1971, you will remember how difficult life was in the United States. The Vietnam War, people were divided. There was just a, a, a confusion that ran rampant throughout the country. We were all hurting. I, I, was, I was a high school student sitting way in the back, kind of leaning over. Even though I was in high school, I still only stood about 4 foot 11 and weighed about 75 pounds. But we were, uh, well, you can tell it was a difficult time because the music in 1971 is so good. If you think about the music that came out that year, uh, it, it wasn't that trivial stuff. It was deep, and it was profound, and it was timeless. Well, that's, that's how tough it was. And maybe it was because times were so hard. I don't know. Maybe it was because they felt some kind of intimidating competition with the Christian Reformed Church? I don't know. Because they were always, you know, way ahead of us. And we always felt like, you know, second chair. And but I don't know why. But instead of putting their faith in Jesus and knowing that Jesus would care for them and Jesus would provide instead of remembering what I knew they knew 
Let me tell you a story about why I knew. When I was in high school, we went to the mission with a group of people. And, you know, have you ever been to the mission? I mean, it's wild. Back in the day, they made all these folks who were hungry, they made them sit through a sermon before they could eat. Uh, they don't do that anymore, but they used to. And, you know, they'd come filing in there, a variety of sheets to the wind, and they were loud and falling off their chairs and just making a ruckus. And then there was a group of people who would give them a sermon before they could eat. And I went for the show because I thought this is going to be good because I knew the, the guy who was going to preach the sermon that night was my Sunday school teacher. He was a nice man, but there, you know, how is he going to stand in front of this, this crowd of, of really tough customers? And he stood up, and he, just in a regular, monotone, stumbling voice, told this group that Jesus loved them and Jesus would help them. And you know what happened? They, they were stunned silence. They hung on every one of his words. They, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. And I thought, oh my goodness. This stuff is true. And it's real. And it's powerful. So I knew they knew this. But somehow they seemed to forget. And somehow they got a little scared. And somehow they thought, we're going to have to add to the work of Jesus by putting some pressure on this next generation and force them with our words to do better. Instead of faith, they thought they would talk us into better, give us something better. And so they pressured us. Now, we needed it. I mean, we certainly could do better. Oh, not the women. They were good. They, but most of us guys needed some help. But it was the kind of help that only Jesus was going to give us. It wasn't a good talking to that was going to help. But they forgot. And they thought giving us a good talking to would work. And it became apparent that we were never going to measure up they would give us some examples, like, can't you be more like so-and-so? And then we found out that they were pressuring so-and-so to do better. I'm going, well, how are we ever going to do this? And it was a shame. I, I think they, they did some harm. Because there's another part of the old story of First Reformed that's pretty sad many, many, many of the young men who grew up in this church died way too early. It started with Donnie Raymaker, who quit school, joined the army, and then was killed in Korea in war games. With Terry Minard, who I stood with, died of AIDS. Dennis Van Zee, who was thrown from a jeep 
horrible car accident. The John Nyden accident. Bill Van Gelder. To my little brother. Just way too many of us died way too early. on to our faith because that's really all you have because Jesus will provide and Jesus will help and Jesus will give life. Perhaps the best story of First Reformed Church and this is just part of the annals of, of the church and it's important. In 1975, after the Vietnam War was just ending, and of course there were thousands of refugees that came out of Vietnam, people who had helped the U.S. and then were in deep, deep danger. And so they got as many of those folks as they could out, not all of them certainly, but many. And they asked churches, will you sponsor some people from Vietnam, refugees? And First Reformed, we know how to help, and they did. And I, I will never forget the Sunday uh, when the whole family appeared in church. They sat right here in the third row. Young mom holding an infant, little girl, and five boys from 13 on down. She, single mom, husband killed in the war, all of them traumatized beyond any, any imagination of this. You could see it on their faces. But First Reformed did what First Reformed does. They brought light to the nations. They encouraged, built up. Tragically, that young mom, six years later, was killed in a car accident. And so that young oldest boy raised all of his siblings. His name is Quam. And, yeah, if you haven't heard of Quang Ho, then and you're not really immersed in the art world of Denver, the United States, and the world. He is one of world-renowned artist. His shows are big time. And he has really good stuff. And 13 years old, he sat right here, traumatized, in a place of ecclesia, of love. thank you for your church but continue to call your church to be your church continue to guide your church through all the difficult days that we experience and Lord walk with us each step of the way